It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tydrum. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at bzetechshow. My name is Natalie Bucknell and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kay Wenigal. Hi, Nat. Michael Steindl. G'day, Nat, and g'day, listeners. And we're really glad to have Laura Perry back with us in the studio today. Welcome back, Laura. (laughs) Hi, Laura. Today, we're going to talk about biochar with Dr. Adrian Morfitt, who is an environmental engineer with over 17 years' experience in the energy and carbon sector. He currently works at Earth Systems, a Melbourne-based company producing biochar. As we're now in a climate emergency where we have overshot any safe limit, In fact, we've just reached 410 parts per million of atmospheric carbon. We need to find methods of sequestering carbon quickly. BZE, in its land use report, identified biochar as a method of affecting ongoing withdrawals of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, with downstream benefits from the production process. It's great to have you here today, Adrian, to discuss all this. Welcome to our show. Great. Thanks very much, Annette. So, can you open by just... Giving us a broad explanation, what is biochar? (laughs) All right, so I guess a technical explanation is that biochar is a uh, solid carbonaceous material produced from a carbonising process where the end product is used for soil application. So that's a technical application, a technical description. It looks like charcoal and you crush it up and you put it in your soil. It's not charcoal, it's produced at different conditions and um, different temperatures, but it looks like charcoal acts like charcoal and you put it in your soil and it has lots of soil benefits there. Global warming scenario so will sequester that carbon for a long time. So it has lots of carbon sequestration benefits there as well, as well as benefits for the soil. So uh, you mentioned about charcoal. There are other things like activated carbon as well as biochar. What's the difference between activated carbon and biochar? Okay, that's a good question. When you look at the bioenergy spectrum, you've got um, you know wet wood, dry wood, torrefied wood, charcoal, biochar, and then you move into gasification, so different temperatures. They're basically a temperature delineated process. So charcoal is done at around about anywhere from 280 to sort of 330 degrees, and often it's done in uncontrolled environments such as pit kilns. Most charcoal is done overseas in pit kilns, so it's uncontrolled and it's at lower temperature. Biochar, good biochar. And produces emissions yes that's right very lots of lots of smoky emissions uh, methane that sort of stuff so from a global warming perspective net carbon sequestration is probably positive pyrolysis done properly uh, is controlled and is high temperature so we aim for about 500 degrees in our biochar and that gives you a sort of a sweet spot anywhere from 450 to 550 will give you a sweet spot for properties in the biochar for cation exchange capacity surface area nutrient holding capacity water holding capacity and especially you drive all of the other compounds out of the product and you basically leave pure carbonaceous material, carbon, in an aromatic ring structure. Very, very solid, very bio-unavailable, and that's what gives its longevity in soil. Okay, so basically you can put in the soil and 
you've just got all these carbon to carbon bonds in it and the microbes can't eat it up and and reduce it Uh, and so that's why you get that sequestration benefit with charcoal you do leave pathways for uh, microorganisms to get in there and eat it up effectively. And what so, about activated carbon? Activated carbon, I guess you could say biochar could be the precursor to activated carbon. Activated carbon has a secondary step with a, either a steam or chemical reforming process. So they basically etch it out to give you a, um, a surface area of you know a thousand metres squared plus, but it hasn't got that structure that's good for the soil effectively. I mean, it's still good, but it's expensive. You don't get as much, lots of processing to get it, and it hasn't got that benefic- as beneficial soil structure the biochar's got. So what does it look like, the product that comes out of the pyrolysis unit? Well, okay, so basically, look, if you're holding charcoal, a lump charcoal in your hand or a lump biochar in your hand, you can't tell the difference, really. But then when you look at it under a scanning electron microscope, which we've done many, many times, you get this, um, when you look at biochar, you get this amazing... Um, and I, I'd recommend listeners to look at this. You know, type Google um, biochar SEM photo. You get this amazing lattice structure. You get all these tiny little holes, and those little holes are the microbial habitat for beneficial soil microbes. That's where the that's where they go live. So, so that's its benefit. I was wondering that's one if of it was so yep. stable, how it was a benefit, but it's actually yeah. home yeah, for these. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a home, and you can see all these all these little holes. And I've seen work. That back in 2010, I went to Rio de Janeiro Biochar Conference with the International Biochar Initiative, and there was this great work from UK Biochar Research Centre where they did biochars at different temperatures. And basically, from you know, four, they did 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 uh, under SEM. And the 400, 500, 600 biochars, you got this beautiful... It looked like a really smart apartment building, effectively. <laughs> and once you got too hot, it was amazing. It actually... The, the structure kind of fell away and it looked like World War One had occurred across the biochar face. So you lost that structure. So there is a, there is a sweet spot there for for structure and that's that's in the range that biochar is in. And Earth Systems actually manufactures yep. this equipment that actually produces the biochar yeah. and you've optimised it to 500 degrees. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it's a very, very quick snapshot story of where, where this all came about was um, 2010 we did a project with the North East Catchment Management Authority so across Victoria, our wood, woody weed is willow willow trees and poplar trees. They block up our waterways. Um, there is some controversy around whether to pull them out or not, but that's a separate issue. But anyway, they do pull them out. They make enormous heaps of willow, and then they, 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 they generally burn them, which is which is what happens. No, no criticism there. That's what happens really when you've got a big heap of wood and it's all knotty and there's nothing, there's no ben- benefit to recover it. That's what you do. You burn it. So they've been looking for a long time for... A solution. They approached CSIRO in the late 2008, 2009. CSIRO said, yo, you should look at biochar. They said, what's that? Fair enough. So they did look at biochar. Anyway, they managed to secure, secure some funding from DBI, the Victorian government, to develop a technology or find a solution so they could take a technology to the, to the wood, pyrolyze it, make biochar in-field, contractor-friendly without chipping. They engaged us. We, oh, I was a tender. We won it. Uh, they engaged us. We went around the globe looking for a solution. There was no solution out there. We said, we think we can develop one for you, which we did. So 2011, our first full-scale char maker, we call it a char maker, um, rolled out. I came up with a name. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. Well, I don't know. There's a bit of controversy there, but it was too late now. So, <laughs> people don't like it, but anyway. Look, it's basically a big shipping container on wheels. It goes to the wood, 
Okay, so rather than look, that's much more cost effective and energy effective, isn't it? Yeah, when you look at a bioenergy, you know, business case, and you're doing the economics on it, as soon as you've got to transport a low negative value material such as that, normally that's the end of the business case, and you'll burn it. So this thing goes to the wood, you chuck the wood in, unchipped, and then you, you, it it does its thing. It's all automated and it's clean. It's got burners and about eighteen sensors through it, and it's all computer controlled, and it does its thing. And and that was the whole point was that. These guys could just shut the wood in, shut the door and push start and just get on with their day, um, which is what it does. So, um, yeah, so look, we've... And unchipped yep. means that there's one less process. You correct. don't have to chip yep. it. Again, about economics there, correct. Um, chipping is widely used, but is, is you know, it's, it's expensive. To, you know, big chippers are, you know, not the big ones. You see in semi-trailers, they're sort of three-quarter of a million dollars, a million dollars, those things. But, you know, then you've got to get the trailer and, you know, ship around there. It's not cheap, so... So that's why we went down that road. And, and look, we were successful um, with that and built multiple units now. The last one we installed was in Hong Kong, the Botanical Gardens there. Again, they selected our technology because we were probably globally the furthest down the development commercialisation route. So we had low technical risk and we skipped that chipping, chipping step for them. They've done a fixed installation, so they don't need the mobility. So with a fixed installation, you can actually use the heat that's generated as a yep, byproduct? Yep, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Hong Kong. So we went to – so we were approached by the Hong Kong – they're called the Kaduri Farm Botanical Gardens. So it's basically these big botanical gardens in Hong Kong, and they've got a pass, big parcel of land in Hong Kong, which is unique. And, yeah, effectively, they, they came and saw us in – were operating in, in Everton near Myrtleford. We had two char makers there, and we were doing big willow heaps. I didn't realise how serious they were, and they, these guys are world leaders in, in the areas that they work in, which is native – planting recovery in Hong Kong and I had no idea how important orchids were to some people but there you go anyway they love the they love their orchids and um, they love the horticultural charcoal for their orchid grown they wanted a solution we flew over to Hong Kong saw their gardens funnily enough legacy of the British Empire the British Empire had gotten the best forests in the world back in the 1800s which were the Australians and there were eucalypts and acacias all over this place I couldn't believe it they were everywhere so it was all gum trees and acacias and, and anyway they're trying to take their gardens back to back to normal. So they had a lot of feedstock. They're pulling all these trees out and, um, yeah, they wanted a machine that would produce very high-quality biochar and targeted at that 500. They really knew what they were doing. They really knew what they wanted. They're actually trying to restore the denuded hills of Hong Kong. That's what they're trying to do. They've tried numerous things to push the forest back up. They can't get up there. There's no soil. There's no structure. They can't get it up there because mm-hmm. all the wind and the rain just keeps washing it away. So biochar is the last roll of the dice. They've done 10 years of research with a very, very small biochar machine and, and they've proven it up. Uh, and now they wanted a big machine to really smash out the biochar and it gets rid of their trees that they're pulling out as well. So it does two things. I, I know you've got more questions. I'll go quickly. The machine they're trying to do in Hong Kong is produce biochar Safely and cleanly. So it's, um, we also put a bioliquids recovery system on that. So we are sucking um, free liquids, w- wood vinegar, out of the machine as well. And also, uh, when you do pyrolysis properly, you have enough heat from the wood that you put in to provide the thermal requirements to pyrolyze the wood. You have actually have excess. So you have more energy available than is needed for the process. So we put a kiln dryer and a heat exchanger system on there. So we're using the waste heat to run a kiln dryer. And we, I'm not sure they're going to go ahead on this, but they've also got an animal enclosure where all the animals that get caught in the ports by the police end up up there and it gets quite cold. So they're thinking of pumping some of the heat from the char maker up the hill and through this animal enclosure to keep all the little animals warm or installation that way. You mentioned the liquid 
that's generated as well. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, okay, so look, so going back to basics, when you're holding a lump of uh, wood in your hand, it'll be 40% moisture and, and then it'll be, the rest of it will be wood. Now, let's say you, you dry it out in a drying oven, 105 degrees, okay, for 24 hours. Now you've got a bone dry BD piece of wood, okay? About 70% of that will be what's called volatiles. Okay, so volatiles are when you have a campfire, you get that white smoke coming out of the wood and it stings you in the eye. That is the volatiles. That's all the hydrogens and nitrogens and all these other molecules that are loosely bonded in the wood. The remaining 30% is carbon, okay, fixed carbon. And that's, that's actually what we're chasing. And so what pyrolysis is, it thermally fractions the wood. So it heats the wood up, all the loosely bonded molecules, the smoke, come out of the wood and you leave the carbon behind. And pyrolysis is high temperature but no oxygen. So when you've got a campfire, you push all the, all the volatiles out first, but because it's open, the air then comes in and oxidises the carbon. So you're not. So when you actually have a campfire, I'd recommend this to listeners, and you've got a piece of wood, if you look closely at the wood, you'll actually see the gas start to come out the ends mm. of the wood. Yeah. You can actually light that. If you've got the right conditions, mm. you can stick a match on that and you can produce, produce like a tiny little flamethrower from a log. And what's happening there is the volatiles are burning, not the wood itself. Okay, And if you get the right conditions uh, and you can stop the oxygen getting into the campfire, you will then leave the biochar behind. That's what we're doing. Now, wood, wood vinegar, the liquids, what we do is we thermally push all of that smoke, um, volatiles, pyrolysis gases out of the wood, and then our machine normally passes it through to a thermal oxidizer where we combust it. Now, that smoke is a combustible. It's actually an energy source. That's what we use to pyrolyze it. What we pioneered last year was we've got this technology where we, rather than burning that gas, because it's an energy, it's a low energy, it's like natural gas, but it's about, oh, it'd be a quarter or a fifth of the energy of natural gas, but anyway, it's still energy. We're taking that gas out, running it through a condensing system with some filters and that sort of stuff, and we're actually producing a liquid. And so it's called wood vinegar, but it's, it's literally liquid smoke from a campfire. That's what it is. So it um, looks like a cup of tea stinks like a campfire you wouldn't i wouldn't recommend drinking it uh, look made up of two to five hundred different organic compounds has lots of um end uses it's a bit new for us but it's a very very exciting new thing and look look it's a freebie it's there we've, we've pioneered this new technology a bolt onto the char maker so you can use it? it as a fertilizer in the garden that's right it's a biostimulant very very quickly back <laughs> in the 90s early 90s a researcher from Western Australia was the guy who discovered that it was the wood vinegar that provides the biostimulant to germination. You think about a bushfire in Australia, what is it that provides a signal oh. to seeds to get going? What tells the forest to get growing quickly? And they worked out it's a particular compound called carricans inside the wood vinegar that provides that biostimulant signal to seeds to get growing. Um, and that's what's in the wood vinegar. It's one of the many, many mm-hmm. compounds in there. So... Um, also, at high concentrations, can be used in organic pesticide and organic herbicide as well. For those that have just joined us, this is the BZE Climate Solutions Show, and we're talking to Dr. Adrian Morford about the production of biochar and its benefits. So, Adrian, how is the biochar used? The, the final product that you yeah. spit out of the pyrolysis machine, how is it used? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good question. You know, one of the business case challenges we've faced is actually the end uses for biochar are really really vast so you know it can be used as a for green steel like a you know i mean mm-hmm. when you look back at you know, look at brazil i use um and green cement 
Yeah, green space. Actually, yeah, we've done work with um, Monash University. We provide a lot of biochar them for for cement additive. Um, wow. BZD is um, currently preparing the next industrial report on green cement oh, and, okay. and carbonless cement. So well, we should talk, Mike. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I can get you some. No, there's been, been work done there. But look, at the moment, we're focused on what you know. I guess the traditional uses of biochar, which is with the soil applications. So it's for so tomato. Like, well, we just we just um, we're about to launch our green roof line. So um, you know, it's a great substrate for green roofs. Great substrate for horticulture, for um, agriculture as well. So broadacre agriculture. So, so if yeah. I want to buy some for my garden, what am I buying? What does it look like? Is it and okay. what do well, I do I'll with t- them? I'll tell you that. Well, first of all, you go to greenmanchar.com.au. That's the first thing you do. <laughs> anyway, that's our sort of retail outlet. And um, look, you get a bag. We crush it. So you get sort of about three mil minus. So we put it through different systems. We've got a shaker screen, conveyors, and we separate mm. it all out. We've got different sizes. But look, basically it's... Um, it's not a powder. It's a slightly wet 3 mil minus material down to fines. Mm-hmm. And you can hold it in your hand. It looks like black and you can squish it. And it looks like crushed up chuckle. But it's not. It's monitor. But anyway. And, um, and so to just, use it, do I need to dig it in or do I just lay oh, it across? That's a good point. The... Yeah, look, you can. That's a good question. Yeah, we're working with some nurseries where they're adding it to their top dressing material. So you can top dress it if you like. I saw work actually coming out of... Oh, I think it was America where they were working out the best way of applying it. The worms love biochar. So I saw work out of America where they just did a lot of tests. They just laid a whole heap of biochar down and they came back a couple months later and to the surprise it was gone. The worms had found it and then dragged it down into the soil. But look, for a garden, if you're doing a veggie garden, yeah, just, just chuck it on top and mix it in with, with a shovel. If you've got a backyard composting process, you know, like a composting bin or one of those tumbler things, by all means throw it in there. That's a really great way of... A, improving the composting process. Lots of I, I just was listening to a webinar last week on biochar added to composting processes. It speeds it up, uh, reduces odour and charges the biochar. So when I say all those microbes find a home in the biochar, that takes time. If you put it in with the composting process, when the biochar comes out at the end of that, it's, it, the microbes have found the home and they're in it and they're, they're, they're ready to go. So... Putting it in with a composting or a mulching process um, is a really good thing before you apply it. If you can, if not, just stick it in the soil and just mix it in. So it speeds up the composting process. It does, yep. Yeah. yeah. Not so much in Australia, but certainly um, in America, there are groups there that are starting to add it to their composting process, part of business as usual mm. for the benefits. So it reduces the time. It's hotter. It goes hotter. And then you get this charged biochar ready to go. It holds on to more nitrogen as well. In in because it, oh, that's what's a big sponge for nutrients. Um, so, so it's great for commercial as well as residential applications. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So, Adrian, in terms of um, biomass, you know, you you've got the cycle where the plants are grown, sequester carbon, you burn them. Uh, the biomass. No, uh, I don't burn them. <laughs> oh no, I'm just talking about normal. Oh, processes. sorry, sorry, I'm interrupting. So when you burn sure. the trees, for instance, yep. you emit carbon. And you repeat that cycle, so it's a net zero carbon Correct. cycle. Correct. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's the net. That's the biocarbon cycle, net zero. Correct. Yep. Or you don't have to burn it if it, if the tree just falls over in the forest and the, and the microbes then go in there and you know it composts down with natural processes over 20 years. That's the net. But it's a biocarbon cycle, net zero. Yep. Correct. So tell us the difference then with biochar. You you can actually sequester carbon in that. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So let's go through that very quickly. And this is certainly highlighted in the Beyond Zero Emissions um, land report, which came out quite recently, is, mm-hmm. um, look, tree grows, sequesters carbon from the atmosphere as it's growing. 
then it would fall over and then degrade and go back to zero. So that's a net zero. Tree grows, falls over, harvested sustainably in some manner. Um, it goes into our machine, pyrolyzes. We lock up, you know, 20, 30%, 25% of the fixed carbon of that tree. It will last in the soil 1,000 years plus. So you, you a are... 1,000 years plus yes, is a yes. long, long time. Yeah, it is, yep. Lots of, lots of sites around the world um, where the biochar is still there. And I mean, you know, you know, thousands of years old, it's still there. Um, and still working, I might add, fantastically. It's amazing. Yep. And um, and look, uh, and then you grow another tree, and now you're in front. You've, you have sequestered carbon as well, and you've got all of the benefits out of wood vinegar and heat and other things as well. So so just quickly with what we're doing, just as an important point, we are our, our machine is operating in Melbourne. We're operating on green waste that we're diverting from. It was either going to composting or it was going to landfill. So we're operating on material that we, we've identified this resource that's clean, and it's in my opinion, sustainable as well. So, I mean, one of the, just quickly too, one of the scenarios in the Beyond Zero Emissions report is a coppice cropping scenario, short cycle coppice cropping scenario. Mm, We've actually yep. done that. We've been to a blue so that, farm. that's chopping off the tops of the trees and, and keeping the base and it grows again quickly. Well, you know, you chop it down low. So you literally just, you may be 50, 100 mil above the soil mm-hmm. line. Um, you chop it there and then, um, I mean, that's what blue gum does. Blue gum coppices beautifully. I love yeah, it. You chop it off there. Um, and then, bang, within 18 months, you've got, you know, a nice big healthy tree. Well, you know, there's lots of stems, mm. but effectively it's come back. And now you can do that, I think it's five or six times, mm. and then you've got to start again. But, you know, you've got the root balls in there as well. Um, so we've done that. We've actually done coppiced work um, at a blue gum plantation in Lalo, which is near Ballarat. We went there and we operated on their coppiced material. So speaking of the BZE report and moving to that sort of scale, because we talked before and perhaps asking about putting it in your garden and so on, but the BZE land use report estimated that something like 77 million cubic metres of wood needed to be produced annually for sequestration through tree plantations to meet the federal government's then 5% emissions target. Um, That's more than three times the 23 million cubic metres of logs that were harvested in Australia in the 2011-12 year. So that gives you some idea of the, of the amount of afforestation that would be required if biochar was the only option. What role do you think um, biomass plays in treatment of emission reductions? How how much of it can it do? How, can we go out and put all this biochar in? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Well, I mean, I know we're running out of time. I guess it's worth quickly mentioning here. The International Biochar Initiative is a, a group out of America which is sort of the um, flagship group of the biochar industry. They've got a goal of 2050 of one gigatons, that's 1 billion tonnes of biochar produced per annum across the globe, um, for, specifically you know, to help with you know, um, soils and agronomic benefits and increased you know, plant yields, etc., etc., but specifically around sequestering carbon as well, so solving this global warming problem that, that's coming. Well, that is here, actually. Now, look in, you know, looking at Australia... So a yeah. gigaton of, of biochar? Yeah, biochar. Um, and how much is that in carbon? That it- oh, you know, if you took an average of... Sixty percent. Oh, ours is okay. eighty to ninety, and then multiply by three to get the CO two yeah, equivalent. Yeah, that's right. So it's probably thirty gigatons of CO two, which is about cool. the current annual emissions, I think, of the world. Current annual right? emissions of the, of the world right now is around 10, 10 gigatons of carbon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. Of carbon. Yes. Yeah. So it'd be one tenth of what okay. we're emitting so, right yes, now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Anyway, so that that's their goal, and so that's that's what they're trying to do. And um, look in Australia. You know, we're unique in Australia. We have a low population, but we are awash with biomass. I mean, look, just looking at Victoria, we've got 300,000 tonnes of organic waste just, just, across, just across Melbourne. 
you know, a lot of it's food, a lot of it's biomass, a lot of it's composted and sent to other sources, but a lot of it does get landfilled. So, I mean, you look at the capital cities, you know, there's an opportunity there. So it's about it's about finding the right policy drivers and economics to make that all work. It's pretty amazing that it, it has so many benefits and there is so much waste there. Why isn't biochar a bigger product at this stage? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, uh, it's probably hard for me to answer that since I've, I've been in the industry so long and I'm working on this. Look, I guess it's an education thing. I think it's just going to take time um, as more and more people become convinced of it. I mean, with each time I sell to a farmer, you know, you've got to literally do an education exercise on the benefits and, and then the farmer wants to see it work on his or her farm directly before they're going to be convinced. So, But once, once you've got a critical mass and it becomes, starts to become business as usual and it's being mixed in with other fertilisers and other materials and it just becomes another product that they're rolling out every day with what they're doing, I think that's when we'll start to real, really see movement. It's just going to take time. It's pretty amazing, and um, it, it's been an enlightening talk today, Adrian. Thank no you very worries. much. No worries. Thanks for having me. In terms of where listeners can find out more information? The actual technology itself is uh, the Charmaker. If you just type in Charmaker, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll, Charmaker and Biochar will pop up. And our retail arm for the Biochar we're making here in Melbourne is Green Man Char. Thank you very much, Dr. Adrian Morford from Earth Systems. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on Podcasts. If you enjoy the program and would like to donate, just go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and hope we'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.